I read from 1 Kings 18, verses 20 and 21, and then I skip to 30 through 39. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. When the stones he built, with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench about large enough to hold two sephas, which are about 24 pounds of sea. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, cried, The Lord is God. The Lord, he is God. Human beings have been fascinated with fire since our Stone Age ancestors figured out how to make fire without the help of lightning. Witness these. The wide-eyed, fascinating, 
fascination of Boy Scouts poking the embers of the fire and their first campout, or children playing with matches, or 40-something dads attempting to detonate a small arsenal of fireworks on the 4th of July. It is no wonder that some adult male pyromaniacs decided to follow to uh, decide the following devices were good ideas. A wheelchair flamethrower designed by a 52-year-old Lance Greathouse. The guitar that shoots flames out the neck. That puts a new meaning on campfire singing. What about a trombone that shoots flames? Or a bagpipe that shoots flames out of each of the pipes while it is being played? I don't think Steve would like that either. <laughs> or a bicycle that shoots out of the rear of the seat. And then there's the first commercially available flamethrower. It's called the XM42 handheld flamethrower and can shoot flames about 25 feet for a variety of uses. Most of them eventually involving a trip to the emergency room. Now, all of these have been actually tried. Kings 18 tells us about competition with fire. It is little wonder that when Elijah decided to go man on man with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, that the power and pride fueled the contest. and would involve somehow fire and an audience. The audience in question was the people of the northern kingdom of Israel. They had been riding the fence between their dedication to Yahweh and to the pagan gods of the king Ahab and his conniving Canaanite wife. Jezebel. The main Canaanite god was Baal, the god of lightning, storms, and fertility. Now, I don't get the connection between fertility and lightning and storms, but maybe you do. Since the pagan god were thought to be territorial, the contest was held on Baal's turf, Mount Carmel. Notice that Elijah even gives up to the prophets of Baal home field advantage. The contest was a relatively simple one. The prophets of Baal would build an altar for their God and Elijah would build one for Yahweh. Elijah, Yahweh's prophet, 
and the priest of Baal would cut up a bull for a sacrifice on each altar. They would not put fire on the altar. They would call upon their particular God to do that. It would be a fire mission from heaven. The altar that got fired up first would be the winner. And that God would be the God of the people. Now I skip verses 22 through 29 and that's when the when it tells about the prophets of Baal's attempt to get their altar on fire. The contest was everything you would want. There was blood as the prophets of Baal cut themselves with swords and lances while calling upon Baal. There was trash talk. Elijah taunts them mercilessly as they are trying to get Baal to light the fire. He cries aloud. He said, surely Baal is a god. Maybe he's meditating. Now, if you trans translate the Hebrew literally, he's actually saying maybe he's in the toilet. Or he's wandered away. Or he's on a journey. Or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. But there was no fire, despite all the hubbub. The writer tells us in verse 29, there was no voice, no answer, and no response. Now it's Elijah's turn. Elijah not only gives them home field advantage, but he also gives them first kickoff, first chance to score the fire. Elijah rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been torn down some time before. He took 12 stones, one for the each of the tribes of Israel. He done, dug a trench around the altar. He arranged the wood and put the pieces of the bull on the altar. Then he had four big jars of water poured over the altar three times, soaking everything thoroughly. The water even filled the trench. Now even a Cub Scout knows you can't light a fire with sopping wet wood. This is a pretty arrogant move for a guy that doesn't have a flamethrower. However, what Elijah does have is the one true God on his side. Elijah prays, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, answer me, so that this people 
may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Elijah knew what God was capable of doing. Therefore, his prayer was the equivalent of shouting, fire in the hole. When the U.S. troops are in need of a fire to rain down from the sky via artillery or an airstrike, they call for a fire mission. Elijah's call for a heavenly fire mission results in the ultimate pyromaniac fantasy. The altar, the stones, the wood, the bull, and even the water were vaporized with a fire that comes from the flame floor. And that flame floor makes it look like it's just a big lighter. Personally, I think God did it with a bolt of lightning. We know that such a bolt can carry 50,000 volts of electricity or more. If it was lightning, that would be ironic. As the God of Baal, which Elijah was opposing, was thought to be the God of, a light, of lightning. Anyway, it was an impressive display and sealed the deal for the people of Israel and they fell on their faces repenting. The Lord is indeed God. The crowd ran down the prophets of Baal at Elijah's command. They ended the contest and secured the faith of the people. Now, where's the fire today? Reading this story might cause us to wonder, why does God not seem to do these things that are impressive anymore? After all, it might strengthen the faith and resolve of people who go limping with two different opinions. These are the people who seem to follow contemporary gods, which compete with their loyalty. There are times when a flame-throwing god could be useful. Elijah's call from, for fire stands out in the Bible because it is the exception and not the rule. Remember, when Jesus' disciples wanted to call their own fire mission down on the Samaritan village because they refused to receive Jesus. Jesus scolded them for that. In fact, the only fire mission the disciples called down was on their own position as they prayed for the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that fire came in tongues of fire. The real fire that we should be looking for is not that kind that we throw. Not the kind that vaporizes altars and 
enemies. We need to be calling the kind that God will rain down on us to enable us to spread the good news about the saving love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. We don't need to talk trash to our critics or pray for impressing displays of fire, nor do we need to hunt people down to beat them over the head with their sin. Rather, we simply need to share the fire of love and the message that Lord indeed is God. Does this sound impossible in a culture that seems to be going to a fiery hell in a handbasket? Well, if Elijah's wind tells us anything, it's that God can make a way when there seems to be no way. It may not involve suspending the laws of physics or a pinpoint lightning strike on Mount Carmel, which may well be how God did it. God is in the business of working in ways that often require the inner refining and strengthening fire of the spirit to discover. It may not be as immediate as heavenly fire mission. In fact, it may take hindsight to see it clearly. We can be confident though that whatever the circumstances, God hears our prayers just like he heard Elijah God may act on our behalf in ways that we do not expect. Elijah was a prophet whom God used to turn God's people back. God can use us too in the same way. If we are willing to be fired up ourselves by God's spirit. No flamethrower required. Amen.